You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's playoff time. And you know what that means, big stakes and even bigger promotions. Every day of the basketball playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. Want to know the best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings' free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to Pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. That's promo code THPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Broadway Boys Podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 51, as Andy and I are reunited, and it feels so good. Andy, how are you doing? I'm happy to be back. I feel like I haven't been around a lot lately, which uh, is unfortunate, which stinks. I've definitely had a lot of thoughts about the hockey going on recently, and just uh, the general off-season news that's Rangers-related, and even not Rangers-related, but uh, yeah, nice to be back, although... You know, in fairness, uh, Ked is probably a, an upgrade, at least <laughs> personality and uh, talking point wise over me. But yeah, I think, we, you know, I'm just happy to be back with you here on the podcast and yeah, excited to talk about things that have been uh, sitting in the back burner of my mind uh, for the last uh, two weeks. Yeah, he uh, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and there's no there's no hiding it. So uh, it was fun. It was fun having him on. But, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that has happened over the <clears throat> excuse me i'm a little i'm fighting allergies it's crazy some days i'll wake up and i'm perfectly fine today i woke up and i probably sound like uh i was three sheets to the wind last night but that's that really wasn't the case it's just i'm fighting allergies here um 
you know, there's just been a lot going on uh, just with the craziness of, you know, the NHL playoffs and looking at, you know, the New York Rangers and some of the moves that they've made. And now that the draft lottery uh, has happened and, you know, I'm just glad that we got to sit down right now and, and kind of discuss it piece by piece. And um, Andy, where do you want to start off with? Because I think we should start off with the draft lotto. Um, we obviously didn't have the luck this year moving up in the lottery or, or, or down. I don't know. You know, some people say it down. I say up. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't really matter. But the Rangers are drafting at 15. Not the sexiest pick overall, but, you know, 15 is, is, is you know, nothing to scoff at. It definitely has value, um, especially if you attach it, attach it to a, uh, a player. So what are you... Uh, you know, what are your thoughts going into this? And, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's not like years past where we had the one and two pick and it was pretty much done for us at this point. Well, my first, and we've spoken about this before, I'm still not convinced that this pick, uh, even if they do end up making the pick that they, uh, end up a, a ranger or wearing a ranger sweater that might just draft night. If they don't trade the pick in a package for someone, uh, for some help or an upgrade of some sort, whether it's uh, just help up the middle, some veteran presence, or hell, even a, a Jack Eichel, if they're comfortable with uh, everything that's going on with his uh, experimental neck surgery and all this other business. Um, that, yeah, I mean, if they do make the pick, which is obviously possible, you know, if they don't like, if they balk at what some other teams are asking, uh, because obviously much has been made of the lack of Ranger center depth. So this is a draft that a, the circumstances surrounding COVID have made it. So yeah, it's just been limited viewings of some players. They haven't gotten full seasons. Some players have played longer than others. So they've gotten more, but do you put more stock into, you know, do scouts put more stock into, we've been able to watch this person more, you know, this, this kid more. So we have a little bit more comfort in where they, their projectability but at the same time, you've seen you know smaller flashes of some kids that either their seasons got cut short or they just didn't have as much uh, ice time. Yeah, this is a tough one. So you you have to wonder what the comfort level is for uh, most general managers and scouts going into this one. It might be one a draft where it's definitely worth it to trade down or or excuse me trade back because it's just like at this point you're comfortable with the guys you were you know able to get viewings of. And it's it's kind of a, a little bit more up in the air. Um, and just in, I obviously as a prospect guy this season, with it being what it was, I definitely didn't get to pay as much attention as I have in years past. Uh, but I'd say overall, it's a bit weaker of a draft. I mean, that's no no slight to Owen Power going first overall, which I still think is he ends up going to Buffalo. Um, but yeah, I just think you have a it's one of those drafts where. You know, Beneers is a guy I see topping out as a Dylan Larkin if he goes second overall type player, which is obviously a good player. But, you know, it's not, you know, unless I mean, obviously, every year down the road, you have some surprises, you know, people take it in the second and third rounds, become your Pasternak's and brain points of the world. But just on face value, honestly, in the top 30, you have, a, you know, very few centers and the ones that do, I don't think all of them even stick. But um, yeah, I mean. As far as that relates to the Rangers, if they do end up making that pick, uh, I think they go best player available because, like I said, I still don't think they take the they that player doesn't get flipped at some point. So I don't think you're gonna, even though the Rangers, like I said, are 
need some help up the middle. I mean, if they don't think that player is going to play for them, they need to maximize the value of the pick, right? So they probably go best player available. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was a goaltender this year. I definitely would not. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, are there if, any yeah, goalies that do, you have your eye on? Or yeah, I mean, so Jesper Wallstedt is a very good goaltender. Who he plays for uh, Luli in the Swedish uh, Elite League. And I mean, he, you know, much like, um, uh, excuse me, his, the, we spoke about him all last year. His name escapes me. He was drafted by, uh, who, who did, who drafted the gold, the Russian goaltender, Askarov last oh, year. Oh, Na- Florida, Na- Nashville, or, or Nashville. Carolina, Nashville did. Yes. Yeah. Much like Askarov last year, it's just, uh, you know, a young guy in a playing in a men's pro league and putting up excellent numbers. I mean, uh, you know, it's just a similar thing where it's like he kind of he's kind of uh, separated himself from just the rest of, you know, because obviously to go to be a goaltender and go in the first round, you really have to do something to separate yourself from your peers, because as we know, goaltending is like value is always uh, depreciated a little bit and goaltending can be a little bit of a hard to project and, a, you know, a little bit voodoo, as they say. But yeah, I mean, he uh, Wallstead's definitely a guy who. I, you know, I, especially in a draft like this, it's, you know, he's not obviously like a Marc Andre Fleury, uh, you know, uh, pedigree coming in, but it's pretty close. I mean, it's one of those things that if he's a guy that if you wanted, if someone wanted to make a who's picking the top five said they wanted to pick him, I wouldn't bat an eyelash at it, especially considering the projectability of, you know, there's, you have all these, this group of D in the top 10, but, there's not real general consensus of who's better than who. Some are a little bit more safer picks. Some are, but are still good. Some are more projects. But if they hit their, you know, your Owen Powers and your, uh, um, your Simon Edvinsons, you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just there's a. It's not that they're unknowns. I just think it's between not getting a lot of viewing time. Uh, I don't know if there's really a right answer. And it's just it again. It's harder for me, and I'm sure for scouts to formulate really hard and fast opinions about. You know, this guy is flat out better than this guy, or at least as crystallized as it's been in years past. But as far as the Rangers at 15, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I wonder, especially with the everything we've seen with um, James Dolan stepping in and wanting more toughness and even them last trying to get some snarl last year with Schneider and uh, uh yeah, Schneider and Will Cooley, uh, and just you know, honestly, you look at how the the playoffs are playing out right now, where it's almost become, it's kind of you know, years in the, the last few years, even though yes, it's still a speed skill league. I just think for whatever reason, uh, the the whole this uh, the NHL is kind of having a, a philosophical crisis with the whole like toughness thing, especially you see some of the hits being laid and guys getting hurt, so. And it's like, is it better to be on the receiving end of these hits or be the ones dishing them out? You know, so it's it, yeah, it's tough. So, I mean, if the Rangers could go best player available, but at the same time, I could see them taking a swing on like, uh, what's that kid's name? Like a Brennan Othman, who's like a kind of a rough and tumble winger. He plays for Flint in the OHL. Um, you know, there's uh, Matthew Coronado's another guy. He's a winger who plays for the Chicago Seal in the USHL. I think he led them in scoring, and he is a hell of a finisher. And he, you know, not the best skater in the world, but oh, he's also a New York kid. He's from Huntington, so I think you know that would be yet another nice story of a local kid who I'm sure I don't know if he grew up an Islander fan or a Ranger fan, but you know he's from the area, uh, and he's just plays with tenacity, and he's a great finisher. So 
the Raiders could always use more finishers, but at the same time, you know, because I, I just, you know, at this point with the players they have right now, I don't really worry because I know a lot of teams are like, we need more finishers or we need more playmakers. I don't know if the Rangers really have that problem. I just think they need more people that are willing to play through the middle and be good defensively, but can also produce. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they might take some swings on some guys that you might even look and be like, ah, oh, it might have been a little bit of a reach. But at the same time, it's like if they, you know, I think this is the one where they're like, especially because you have some players that have good potential and like your Aturatis and, you know, your uh, your Fabian Lysels and your uh, hell, even some of the, the D-men like, yeah, like I'm still not sold on some of the how good some of these, you know, Simon Edmondson could be or, you know, um, but yeah, sorry. Uh, mentally, I'm all over no. the place right now. But yeah, I just that's I think that no, just I'm, goes I'm, to show this draft. This draft is definitely not as like I said. I don't. I haven't formulated as hard and fast opinions. Like this guy is flat out better than this guy, you know. So, and that, I think that just goes because I do. Like I said, there's a couple of other centers that the Rangers clearly need centers. You know, you have your Cole Sillingers, uh, Zachary Bolduc, who uh, who plays. Uh, for um Ramuski. he's so he was teammates with the Lafreniere last year so I got to see him a little bit and he's uh been one of the best players in the queue this season but again these you know these this is a weird year as everyone has been so apt to bring up so you don't know like if these are just the circumstances some kids maybe were just came out of the gate were more ready and it helped them but ultimately if you you know some maybe some kids that struggled under normal circumstances would have excelled so it's kind of yeah it's kind of hard uh so I yeah again I don't I don't this is the one year I really don't have a good pulse on players that may, the players the Rangers may covet I do think like I had mentioned earlier they may covet the guys with a little bit more sandpaper especially because the overall skill level maybe in this draft isn't it's not like there's not like it's not one of those things where if you especially at 15 where if you feel if you're taking you know this guy you're missing out on a player like um you know last season like a or uh just you know some because we remember in the towards the top 10 you had some like your anton lundell's and your uh i'm god man it's funny after you know a season and a draft with these kids in my brain i cut to make room for the next crop i kind of just dump names so i just forget <laughs> well, I become like names a, until they reappear i've become like a fanboy listening to you uh just like like <laughs> rattle off and like because I, I don't know, I don't really, you know, follow, you know, prospects until really pretty much draft time. And then you kind of, that's how I learn. I, you know, learn about, you know, here are the video clips. And, and then, you know, once that player is drafted to that specific team, I like to go on their, you know, Twitter where they, you know, show like highlight reels of their new player that they got, you know, their new shiny toy. Yeah. And that's pretty much the extent of it. Because for me, every time, you know, we have the draft and it rolls around, there's so much analysis that goes on that it gets a little overwhelming. And I truly don't believe that anybody knows. Like, you don't know. At the end of the day, you don't know what the player is going to be. Like, obviously, we have some home runs that are, you know, top five picks. You know pretty much what you're going to get. But once you hit, like, where the Rangers are, that 15 realm, it becomes a crapshoot. You just you just don't know. And and some of these players are, are, are great, you know, in their, you know, junior leagues and, and NCAA. But at the end of the day, you just don't know how they're going to take and receive the NHL game. It's just a crapshoot. Um, I told. Yeah. And it, I mean. I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say real quick that, you know, earlier I had mentioned that this might be a year to trade down. I mean, listen, the Rangers are tr- picking at 15, but Columbus 
or technically 16, but because uh, Arizona forfeits their pick due to all that chicanery they were involved in, uh, it's technically 15. But, you know, I mean, uh, Columbus has picks 23 and 25. And I mean, right now, that 2017 draft for the Rangers is looking like amazing. You know, they just signed Nils Lundqvist the other day and Kraftsoff and uh, Ke'Andre Miller are already playing in the NHL. So at the very least, you can think so far they're two for three. Yeah, obviously you don't know what Nils will end up being, but at the very, it's looking like they have three with his pedigree and the way he's producing the SHL and winning the best Swedish uh, defenseman, you know, born defenseman in the league for them. Like the way it's looking right now is that they have three bona fide NHLers from that. So imagine they do something, although they traded up to get Keandre with all those picks. I mean, if you could double up, if they're confident, if they think they want to take one guy who's maybe a little bit of a reach, but like a like, but it has some sandpaper, and then use the other one to take a guy who's like a skill reach where you're like Aturati has fallen. That's a very tantalizing pros, you know, prospect for me. Where it's like, you know, teams are like, do we really want to swing this year? Because we don't really know. It's such a crapshoot. Like we don't have as much information, or we're not as comfortable in our information. If I'm the Rangers and you have a, or hell, even using one of those to take like one of the goaltenders. You know, I'm sure by that time, uh, you know, one of the t- like Sebastian Kosa, who's another goaltender who might go in the first round, could be there, uh, who plays for the Oil Kings, you know, with um, Matthew Robertson. But, but yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, I think it could be, I don't know, and the Rangers haven't, although they did it, uh, you know, they traded down. To with uh, or back, I should say, because I knew they were still going to be able to get um, Schneider. But uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? They might do that again, and I think it would be worthy to do it because, again, it's just such a this is a hard one to peg. Although at the same time, they've been watching. I'm sure scouts have been trying to do as much video watching, so I don't know if they're as confident in there and their ability. Maybe the more progressive teams will just it'll be business as usual. But maybe some of the more old school teams, it's like messing with their heads a bit. Yeah. And, you know, I told Ked this uh, last week, you know, I'd be surprised if the Rangers draft, I really would. It just, it just seems like one of those years where, you know, all these players are coming off the pandemic season. You don't know much about it. The Rangers really don't need to be drafting. Like if if there was a first round pick that you could kind of punt and, you know, kind of regroup and say, you know what, we're going to pass on this first round. Let's, you know, try to package for a player that's going to have NHL impact next year, that's going to help us. Because, you know, I mean, I could be totally wrong with the management right now, but I think management thinks that the Rangers are on the verge of a playoff team and getting, you know, gearing up for playoff runs, like, and not just just making the playoff. I think the Rangers, I think the Rangers organization right now are looking, looking for, you know, the next level. And I don't think you're going to get that through the draft. And I'd be shocked right now if we had, you know, that 15th overall pick come draft time. Uh, On the other hand, though, uh, you know, the Rangers also, you know, they've been very, very good drafting lately. I feel like the first round picks have been dynamite. I mean, there's a great consensus on, you know, Braden Schneider, you know, you see, you know, the impact that Keandre Miller has had. you know, it's just like it just you feel like every time the Rangers have drafted in the first round over the past years, and I'm not talking about the Kako and Lafreniere because those were layups. But, you know, the the draft, you know, the draft has been, you know, I don't know, it's been plentiful. Am I crazy for thinking that? I feel like the Rangers under Gorton found like a light switch where all of a sudden all these guys come in and you're like, 
you know, they drafted very well. Like they really didn't have any like, you know, strikeouts with any of these players. You know, I think definitely that draft, the Leah Anderson draft, uh, where they're obviously very happy. They were at least able to get Heedle out of the first round. Yeah, I definitely think that really, I don't know if it motivated them to go a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know. Because at the same time, I mean, listen, drafting is hard. There's not a single team. There are some teams, obviously, that have much better uh, records than others. But at the same time, you look at a team like the like Tampa and everyone's like, oh man, wow, look, they found Brayden Point and Matthew Joseph, all these, you know, or all these uh all these guys, you know, in later rounds. But at the same time, if you look at their first rounders, they kind of a lot of them they've struck up struck out on. But they luckily they found some were able to get superstars in this, you know, your Kucherovs or whatever in the like the second and third rounds, you know? So no team is perfect and uh, there is a lot of luck involved. But at the same time, there are some teams that definitely hit more than others. And I mean and I think there's some teams that, you know, if I'm the Devils, you have to be thankful that at least, well, I don't know, not thankful, but the fact that they've been so bad recently helps them because picking the top five, it's a lot harder because they, when they were kind of just middling for a little bit yeah. there, like all those guys are, none of them are really that all that great. You know, some of them, and they'll become like maybe complimentary bottom six wingers and centers or even like maybe a bottom pairing D, but yeah, really, they've had no luck there. So there's some. Te- they're just some teams are better drafting some spots than others. The Rangers obviously needed to get their shit together in the first round, uh, and they clearly have. You know, but but again, that's only we only had one draft where they really were forced to make some tough decisions, and they obviously knocked it out of the park with getting Keandre Nils and Vitaly Kravtsov. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, the two, the two, yeah, the two drafts after that, you could argue out. You know, their first round picks were kind of locked in, which kind of puts you know makes it out of their hands a little bit. But obviously, you kind of like what they've done in in the. Although it remains to be seen how much contributions they'll get uh, from the player, you know. The, the players I took in the later rounds in those drafts, but it obviously, you know, you look at the, just the, they're, they're on the, at least in terms of evaluating demon, they've been excellent, you know, cause you're looking and there's a glut. There's obviously too many kids there. Unfortunately, Schneider, Robertson, Zach Jones, Nils Lundqvist, uh, K Andre, they're not all going to, there's clearly just not enough room. It's like, you can't tell this kid, we're going to have you, you can play in Hartford for maybe a year or two, but at some point they're going to be like, all right, there's not a spot for me here, you know? So, but it's a good it's a good problem to have because you can kind of you can let see how things shake out and then just use them as a value to go to another team. There's plenty of teams that need defensemen in their pipeline, you know, at least some of the contenders, you know, because, you know, I mean, after this year, how much longer is Washington, you know, especially with everything that's going on with Kucherov and how they were not all that convincing going into, you know. And yes, I know. Yes, uh, Pittsburgh looked pretty good this season. But again, it's just. You look good, but they've been up and down, and they have good seasons and bad seasons. And as long as they have Malka, but Malka's now having surgery, I think. And yeah, you just you don't know. So it looks like some of these teams that the perennial contenders are going to start. Yeah, they're thinking about retooling a bit, and the Rangers uh, will have the pieces to provide for them, you know, in exchange for some good players to help them get over, you know, get to that next step. Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo and then we had a checklist 
of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. And he's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 dun. And I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he shoot checked over here. And then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. All right, Andy, you know, there's so many question marks on this roster right now. From Zibanejad to Blackwell to Rooney to Strom. Uh, you look at our defense, you know, is the Truba contract going to, you know, is that going to be around forever? There's just so many pieces, even on the pieces that we think are going to be here long term. And, you know, I point out Zibanejad, even last week I spoke to Head about it. It's like there's not even a rumbling on whether or not he's going to get extended. So, you know, given given the roster right now and, you know, the kind of the mentality that nobody is safe and. I think you and I both agree that Buchnevich is probably not a New York Ranger uh, by the time next season starts. It just it, it, it creates a question for me. You know, what are the Rangers going to do, even with the players that are currently on the roster? Like, all right, it, it's one thing to bring in uh, some grit, but it's another thing to deal with some of the looming questions that we have over the players that are they're not, they have no term here. So, especially like Zibanejad and Strom, who've contributed so much to our recent success over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think a player like Buchnevich, it's been much speculated that he most likely, whether he's part of a package or just uh, an individual deal, he he's unfortunately a luxury the Rangers don't can't afford to keep. But at the same time, they can cash out at the top of his, you know, his valuability, especially if he's got a little bit of term, you know, or at least even however short it is at his current contract, he's like clearly one of the better contracts in the league. So yeah, and that's very valuable. So unfortunately, you know, it stinks because you want to keep him around. He's a good player and he's become a good two-way player, but you might have to lose him. You know, you're definitely, I don't think Strom is going to long-term here on this team. But that being said, you know, even though the cap is most likely going to remain stagnant and flat for the next few years, um, the Rangers do have salary coming off the books next season. Uh, and the funny thing is I was so convinced that Mika was not going to, you know, wasn't going to, uh, be a ranger or he was going to get, uh, they weren't going to resign him or they're going to have to trade him or ship him out. Um, but in a weird way, I mean, his struggles this year, even if it was COVID, I, a part of me thinks that might've helped the Rangers be able to resign him. Cause at the very least they can say, listen, you know, you can say, oh, I had COVID and like, yes, we're understanding but at the same time. It's like, because if he had yet yet another year, because especially the torrid pace he kind of finished, I think he like was one of the best 
score, you know, his, uh, again, his scoring was back up and he was the way he was producing. I think he was one of the, the best producers in the NHL in March, you know, him and Panarin or excuse. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I just, I think this helps them resign him to a reasonable ticket because they can say, look, you're, you know, you, you didn't have the best start and we really needed it. And at the same time, it's like, you know, you are at this age, it's like, you know, cause he could get more money elsewhere, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, you know, just the way he is. Uh, I think he's a guy that really likes playing in New York. I think some other guys like your Brady Shays and your Jesper Foss. Yes. They loved, you know, they probably loved being in New York, but it wasn't like, Oh, I have like, it wasn't like, it was a nice perk, but at the same time, I think there's just some guys, you know, who more than others where it's like, they really don't want to go elsewhere. I think Mika combination of becoming a superstar here, finding his game here, uh, you know, being kind of an international guy, a younger guy and, you know, whatever the music, the DJ life and whatever. I think there are some teams where it's just like, I don't know if he, I don't think he wants to go to Buffalo. I don't think he wants to go to Columbus. I don't think he wants to go to Minnesota. I think he likes being a metropolitan New York city guy, kind of like Lundquist did. You know what I mean? So I think that helps them because he clearly would get, you know, 10 million from another team, which could depending on, you know, maybe it would be okay for the first few years, but clearly it would be, but I mean, if the Rangers could somehow get him at like nine, uh, yeah, that would be awesome because, you know, he's still one of the best scorers in the National Hockey League, even if his maybe his two way play is a little overrated, but he flat out can just score and you need that. And, you know, if I do, I do think COVID was what, you know, was messing with him because and he even said in the end, he didn't want to admit it to himself. And because, yeah, obviously you don't want to make excuses, but, uh, you know, just he looked like his old self and he was good the second half of the season. He just was really abysmal to start. But again, it was, was most likely COVID. So. You know, and he's been a guy who's been unlucky at a time. So, I mean, if that helps keep the contract number down, that's great. And I think at the also because, you know, I mean, I don't know what the the package for Eichel was exactly, um, but between the experimental surgery and just looking at the other teams in the league, it's like, you know, you if the Rangers want to compete, they just need talent, flat out talent. Period. Because I mean, it's hard to compete with a team that has like a Stamkos, a Kucherov, and a Braden Point, and a yeah, you know, even lesser guys who are still very good at scoring. You know, your Hedman and Sorelli, you know, and uh, just guys, you know, or or even like guys like Tyler Johnson, who like even though they are not themselves like a superstar, they had one season where they were like the questions like, was this one of the best guys in the NHL? You know, even if they kind of deflate well, after that a little bit, but well, that's what you kind of you know, hope- if the range if the Rangers are shipping talent out to bring marginally better talent in. It's hard to compete with super teams that have, or, you know, you, you know, you've Rantanen and McKinnon and uh, Gabe Landeskog and, and obviously you have players, you know, and McCarr and Kadri and, you know, all these guys. So it's like, yeah, I think, you, don't again, you think I think that, don't you think that like, this is like the, what you want out of like what the New York Rangers are doing right now? Like you have, you know, Kako and Lafreniere, you hope that they kind of turn into those stars. I mean, Kraftsoff, if he keeps, you know, projecting like the player that he's uh, could become he could be one of those impact players and then on even on the defensive side i mean for uh, i mean i'll even include fox as kind of a kid he is a kid and he, he's already been that superstar defenseman that the rangers uh you know desperately need that can you know play both offense and defense and then you know keandre miller like is he going to be that you know that kind of rough and tough defenseman 
who can make outlet passes, you know, who can, you know, fly up and down the ice and, you know, just have a better transition game if he keeps working on it. Uh, he could be one of those players. And like I see the Rangers with the players they currently have on the roster right now, you know, with those young guns kind of coming up through the ranks, you know, the Rangers could be one of those guys where they're like, oh my God, look at this roster. It's just like everywhere you look up and down, you know, top three lines is a threat to score. The fourth line is just a pain in the ass to play against. And their defensemen, they're, you know, they have one guy that can, you know, rush the puck up and they have another guy that's going to be a nightmare to play in the corners. Like, you know, especially if, you know, Brighton Schneider comes in and, and plays that, you know, kind of rough role where you're like, oh God, on the penalty kill, this is the, the, the guy I'm going to have to deal with on the half wall. He's going to be all over me all, like all night. So I just feel like the Rangers are definitely trending in that oh, direction. Yeah. They're, they're definitely set up. I think the thing is with where they're at now, that it's a team that it doesn't need much, but it does need one guy on the back end and one guy in the bottom six that can really just help stabilize this lineup, even if it pushes a better player down. Because, yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, I, yeah, I love that. It's like this team doesn't have problems scoring goals. They had one of the best scoring differentials in the league, but right. at the same time, they met, they were the be- one of the best teams with the best scoring differentials to miss. And you can make all the excuses you want about, uh, because and we saw we talked about this on the podcast. They were young, and so when they're feeling them, you know, they're feeling they're sowing their oats a little bit. They they can flat out put the puck in the net. But then when the 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 temperature changes and all of a sudden it gets a little bit more structured, intense in your face like playoff style hockey, they they start wilting. But and that kind of is one of those things where you look at these teams that like you know I still listen still on paper the Islanders are not. But when I look at Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck and Leo Komarov and playing like, you know, maybe underwhelming, albeit effective hockey. I'm like, our guys can do this, but it's a mentality. It's a mindset and it's confidence and they just don't have it. So you just need to be able to look over to some guy in your line and see he's doing exactly what you have to do. And you'll follow, you know, if I mean, if this team got two players, let's say they got uh, if for some reason, Philip Deneau was available from Montreal yes. or they traded for him. And then you take a guy like a Matias at home, even though he's old, but he's like just a, like a solid confident back end. And you player. just plug those two, just two players in this lineup. How much better is this team because of it? They're so much better, it even though it's only two guys, everything. but it's just, again, the talent, like you alluded to, the talent is palpable on this team. They just have to look over and have the leaders need to, they need to be led. You know what I mean? And unfortunately the guys that were leading this year, kind of more of the mercurial skill type guys, you know, I mean, you just have to have this, that confidence, like, you know, like I said, you know, everyone, we can say we can make fun of the Matt Martins and the Cal Clutterbucks of the world all we want, but they, they've been in the postseason the last few seasons and they, they get to work and they don't fuck up. You know what I mean? They just, they know how to manage the puck, even though they're not the best players in the world. And it's just like, there's no reason the Rangers can't do that. They have so many, these kids are obviously going to get better and better and just surprise themselves. And all of a sudden they'll have overwhelming skill, but we just watched Toronto absolutely mentally collapse despite being such a better team on paper. You know, yes, Carey Price has finally decided to be good for one time in, in the last five years and that's helping them. But at the same time, it's just, you saw, I mean, they got checked into submission by, by Montreal, you know what I mean? And they just, Montreal was so in their oats and they, they felt confident and they just executed and you need that. So yeah, this well, team is why, set like, up. 
Yeah, and and that's why I'm not sold on the whole getting Eichel because you know if if you're gonna have Zabenajad signed to a nine million dollar contract, I I don't think we need the Eichel experiment, and it's gonna be an experiment because he I know he's good, I know he's gonna be great, and I'm sure he'll do some impressive things, but bringing in a ten million dollar player is not is not always the, the cure all, and you know if you look at this, if you look at our roster right now, we have a few players where. You know, I would rather have two Eichel lights playing on a second and third line and and just be that kind of team where you're like, man, look at up and down the lineup. The Rangers are a pain in the ass to play against. I mean, they have scoring threats on three different lines, you know, and, and you don't know where it's going to come from. Whereas if you look at, you know, uh, a team like, you know, uh, like Edmonton, right? Everyone's disappointed that they got knocked out in the first round. It's like, well, because they're so top heavy with their scoring, you kind of expect it and you can. You can kind of, you know, the good coaches know how to, you know, coach against that, that style. And, you know, I don't want to be top heavy. I don't want to have to, you know, uh, separate, you know, with some of our younger, younger prospects coming onto this team uh, for a player that, you know, listen, I like Eichel. I think he's a fantastic player. He's one of the most skilled centers, you know, in the NHL right now, you know, probably top three, but I, I don't know. There's. It's just uh, looking at big picture versus, you know, uh, the immediate satisfaction uh, of filling a void that the Rangers, you know, have right now. I just feel like big picture. I I, I want to steer clear of Eichel. I mean, call me crazy, Andy. No, I mean, listen, that experimental neck surgery that is like people are very wary of yeah i mean and, and other teams obviously you know if elliot friedman said that it's pretty much listen eichel's gone now we know this uh right but the most surprising thing is that the the mandatory like wait this long to see how it feels after and then we'll talk again the feeling is that the sabers are still not comfortable with it and most likely what's going to happen is that he's going to get moved and it's going to be another team's problem and but you have to wonder it's like is the condition that the team that takes Eichel Jack's like I'll go to your team and obviously my because I kind of have say like he kind of holds the keys to this a bit because you know Buffalo can't afford to just say well we're going to keep even though you're malcontent they just can't you know they've been in if they maybe if this they had had some success but they haven't they can't just afford to have a sandbagger you know what I mean so yeah, no, and the surgery and, uh, is and a malcontent in their, in their camel, locker room. Yeah. Back. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Jack can say like, listen, I can make it like very easy for you not to give up a lot of assets, especially because if I'm going to you, I don't want you to give up the farm because that's what's kind of the problem I had last time, but you have to be cool with me getting ex- this experimental surgery. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, he kind of really holds the keys and, and that is just obviously that gives pause because it's like, A, you have a guy who you don't know what he's like in the playoffs because he's never been there. I mean, listen, Matthews and Marner have been lighting up the league for the last couple of seasons, which is all well and good. But again, what they haven't really done, they've had trouble translating that to success in the playoffs, you know, and who knows? Eichel could all of a sudden turn into Patrick Kane in the playoffs and he'd be like, oh, yeah. But at the same time, he's a guy where his body language hasn't been great the last few seasons. You know, he had a great season last year, but he gets hurt a lot. And now he's having this. And it's like, is this just yet another Rangers getting a guy who's going to be pet on downswing because he's just, you know, injuries and just being fed up. And you just don't know. It's a lot. It's a it's a gamble. It's a huge gamble. Uh, it's an expensive gamble. And, and it's an expensive like, gamble. And, you know, essentially I mean, $10 million, right? I, I, I feel like you could kind of fill in the void with, uh, I would rather get, a really good 
you know, obviously Strom, I think it doesn't like, you know, you pointed it out. Strom doesn't really have term here. I, I think he'll ride that contract out and go sign and try to get paid somewhere else because I, I just don't see it fitting within the New York Rangers, a, a big time contract with Ryan Strom. But I would rather the Rangers overpay for a 2C and a 3C and not have Eichel. And, and, and that's just where my thought process is. I mean, if you look at the teams that are having success in the playoffs right now, Andy, I mean, look at Montreal. I mean, they don't have a Jack Eichel. They just kind of, you know, they play four lines. They can roll through it. They play with grit. They buy into a system. They're annoying to play against. And, you know, they, they have a couple players that, you know, know how to drive offense and create scoring chances. And, and they're a patient team that makes, you know, makes you make mistakes. And, and they try to capitalize on those mistakes. And, you know, watching them has been, you know, tremendous. It's been a lot of fun watching, you know, especially that series. And we can, well, now next week we can talk about the Evans hit and, and how just, you know, Wilson just gets away with murder every time. But, um, you know, you look at the teams that are having the most success and it really is like the grittier teams. Like not every team is going to be Colorado where you can just outscore your problems if you even have problems. But the teams that, you know, are shocking everyone right now it's tampa bay plays with that nasty snarl in the playoffs i mean kucherov is is kind of like a dirty hockey player now they're like watching this playoff series and then you montreal they're just like an annoying you know team where there's just like nasty I, I don't know how to describe it but i feel like the rangers need to trend in that direction instead of just going out and getting a superstar thinking it's going to solve their problems uh down the middle no you're absolutely right and Again, we've heard this that you get a comment, and obviously, what happened with Toronto as a kind of a lesson, you know. But in fairness, I do want to say Toronto supposedly addressed these things by going out and getting, you know, your, uh, you know, they get Wayne Simmons early on last year. They bring in Joe Thornton as more of a veteran presence, and they bring in uh, um, Nick Felino from Columbus, and those guys at. Jack shit for them in the playoffs because it, it's a it's a mentality and when you have those players but at the same time if I think if you take those guys and you put them on Montreal where they're already the whole team is already practicing that they're way more effective so right. yeah it's got to be that listen, the body you know has to move in concert with the brain right so exactly you know obviously the other piece of that is the coach and if the coach is instead of you know everything that's come out in light of Quinn getting released you know just little comments about players second guessing themselves and edicts to like kind of micromanaging them a little bit more with what they're doing instead of just kind of like doing a big being a big picture guy uh which kind of seems to be his downfall and why players kind of were tuning him out a bit i think you know especially you look the way they under they felt so much less inhibited when knoblock was there because they just do whatever you know and they Mm -hmm. just can trust what their instincts without having to feel like if i do one of his pet peeves i'm gonna see pine you know so yeah, obviously it'll depend. But, you know, I think if you look at the, I think it's a fair assessment to say right now, I would put, you know, obviously I think the greatest odds right now are on, um, uh, uh, you know, either one of Gerard Gallant or Rick Tockett to become the next coach of this team. Uh, and yeah, both those guys, I think, can, I would definitely have pushed their, this team in that direction. You know, you look at the way Vegas you know, play has played the last few seasons. You know, even more, it's more of the same under DeBoer. But you know, especially if they had less talent the year they went to the Cup final than they did recently. You know, so hence they're probably a little bit better team now. But 
you know, they just literally that first season, they just made it on like, we'll bring the fight to you and show you, you know, who's, you know, cause they felt like they were all, you know, misfits and cast off. So yeah, I mean, as long as if they can get just they and like I said, we're, they're close. They don't need a lot. You know, these players can get older. They're going to get better. So that helps because they're, they're going to lose a stroll. They're going to lose a Buchnevich, you know, um, it's great to have these guys like Blackwell come and step in. But at the same time, like these guys are going to probably seek their fortunes elsewhere. So, yeah, they're going to have it's just going to have to be more of a mentality in that even if you on paper are a worse team, you're going to have to it'll, you'll be better with you know better coaching. So um, they're close and it will be fascinating to see who they end up finally bringing in because we know talk it's now at two interviews although he's had two interviews with a couple teams and i assume gerard gallant who's after a terrible start is now coaching canada to you know the gold medal game of the world championships uh you know uh he'll i'm sure once he gets back he'll have yet another interview and this definitely helps his uh make his claim you know lay his claim especially you know everyone was making fun of that roster on paper how weak it was and now look at them you know yeah it's amazing and and if you look, you know, I think that's the next step, right? The coach, because you got to bring in the coach before the draft, I would imagine, right? Um, I think it depends. I think, you know, um, because I, th- I think, I, if anything, I think they'll try to, unless they're at risk of feeling like some, someone's going to get snatched up, which is a, a possibility, I do think they want to see a thing shake out. I think they want to see what happens to Carolina. Uh, does Brenda Morse, did Brenda Moore sign his extension with them yet? Uh, it was reported, but it was then reported that that it wasn't finalized or it hadn't happened, or you know. So I mean, you know, because listen, if Brenda Moore sh- shook loose because they didn't want to pay him, he's their he's their Rangers' number one choice, like you know, well, far and I, away. <laughs> I mean, that's another reason to root for Tampa, right? <laughs> if, if oh yeah, if, you know, Car- I mean, it's, like, look, it's looking like Tampa's gonna. Yeah, there is yeah, a three-one you know, series lead, and listen, I I think Carolina is a good obviously a very good team but yeah they've had some struggle some uh struggle scoring and obviously Aho and Sveshnikov are great and even guys like Stahl are good but they don't have I don't think they have the fu- I think it's better to have a player the Rangers literally litany of guys with um, like sky high offensive potential but then kind of like bend them to into submission and can you imagine how good a Capo Caco could be in a Brenda Moore type system I think he's a guy that could really strive or excuse me, not strive, but thrive, um, and maybe strive for that. But yeah, I just think that that would be a match made in heaven. But again, I think Galant's a good too because I think he's good. You look at his teams; they weren't the most up tempo, fast teams. But you know, you had guys like Mark. It was just a nightmare because you had guys like Mark Stone, and just you had support, and it was just very hard to break through their neutral zone presence. And it just allows guys who are maybe not the most fleet of foot just to really thrive off of uh, good defense and creating turnovers and having support and moving the puck. You know what I mean? And just, you know, uh, since they've entered the league, Vegas under both DeBoer and uh, Galan has, has had good underlying numbers because they play good structured hockey. So, yeah, um, not sold on Rick Tockett. I don't really know, but it, it, people seem to like him a lot. So we'll see. Maybe he maybe he did get a bad deal in uh and, you know, the roster, clearly he was flawed that he was given in Arizona. But, um, yeah, well, you know, he you had know, some honorable success in the bubble. Because, yeah, I'll give props to him because I think anyone looking at that roster, I don't think would would automatically think success. And, you know, I feel like they've overachieved almost every season. Uh, they're not at the bottom anymore. Uh, they're constantly competing for a playoff spot. And given that roster and, 
and you know some of the players that even that are you know good like uh like phil you know (laughs) i don't think he like this is almost a retirement you know phase of his career so you know it's not like i feel like those players are you know they're playing for a stanley cup i feel like they're just kind of you know put put together and some random pieces and and just kind of thrown out there to expected to go play hockey and you know that organization has just kind of been a dumpster fire for so long and now they don't have the first round pick and i'm i'm sure he was frustrated and where's the motivation to do well when the organization can't even get it together and you know i don't want talk it but i also think you know he, he's definitely going to have a head coaching position in the nhl next season i, I think there will be you know room made for him um the last question i have for you andy before we wrap things up uh i know we got into coaching a little bit we got into um you know uh we got into the draft and um you know looking at the roster right now the new york rangers right do you think that there will be a blockbuster trade prior to the draft and when i say blockbuster um, i mean like I mean, Buchnevich and the first round pick is gone, or they bring in the Jack Eichel, or the like, go after a Barkov. Do you think that happens before or after the draft? Um, I think if Eichel, with the only potential deal that I would see happening before the draft, a deal might happen dra- come draft day, but I think it's most likely if the only thing I could see, and listen, I'm most likely going to be wrong because I'm, you know, <laughs> what do I know? Not true. But I mean, just the way I, the way I see it, I think Eichel's the only guy I could see, especially with, you know, that's the thing. If he's going to get experimental surgery, he's got to get it now, right? Right. For, for, before training camp next season. So, and if the team is kind of stonewalling him a bit, it doesn't help the Sabres. The longer this go, it's like, because let's say, you know, the, if the, the Sabres can't get a deal done, this guy, you could have him on your, your roster next season. And maybe, who knows, all of a sudden they kind of pick up where they left off with the success they had last year. And it's like, oh, maybe Eichel's like, oh, you know what? Actually, we're kind of looking like the real deal. Maybe we did finally turn the corner and he stays, right? But he's got to be in the lineup for that to happen. And the longer this goes on, I think the, the, it hurts the return. Whereas they're just like, look, they're almost, you know, because then Eichel can make plead his case to the teams like, look, here's the MMA fighters that have had this and now they're fighting at a, a high level and, you know, are, are more willing to take way more punishment than I would or, you know, in this certain way or whatever. It just, but he's got to get it. If you want him to be a contributor for you, you want him to, whatever he's going to do, you want him to do it sooner rather than later. So I just think he, his case is a little bit more time sensitive. Hence why I think he is the best. If, if, if the Rangers do something or with Eichel, uh, it would, yeah, that might be the only thing you might see before the draft, especially now we, with the lottery's over, we know where everyone picks stands, you know, who's got picks where it's a lot easier for Buffalo to, to visualize if you're offering a pick where it is, you know what I mean? So, right. Um, all right. So what you're saying is that a Jack Eichel will be a New York Ranger within the coming weeks. It, it's feeling like <laughs> it. I mean, again, I don't really know how to feel about it. Cause again, I think it, if, if, before the neck injury, I think everyone was like, all right, yeah, Eichel, hell yeah, come on, come on down, you know, come, come to New York, especially, you know, he's talked about how much he, he loves New York's favorite place to play and playing in the garden and, you know, and you look at Panarin come and actually exceed expectation and, and over deliver. And you're just thinking like, man, if we have one, like, you know, just to kind of have that super team feel where at the very least they're getting into the playoffs, you know. As long as they can, if they're even if they're a team that has trouble putting it together in the playoffs, it'd be nice to be back in the. You know, you're watching all these teams, 
you know, I'm watching the Islanders, I'm getting envious and that's not a good feeling for me. You know what I mean? Just seeing the atmosphere and there's nothing better than, than that, you know, the, the feeling of playoff hockey, you know, in the spring, late spring summer. So, uh, yeah, I would like them to get back to there and just have Eichel on this roster at, well, you know, if he's the, can remain the player he has been, uh, you know, I, it's hard to envision them not making the playoffs, no matter how hard their division is, they just, they're, their goal differential, how much they were able to shore up their their D play last year, the fact that they're most likely getting a better coach, the fact that they're all getting old, you know, it's it's funny to think because you know you have these teams where guys are twenty three or twenty or, or twenty four and older, for the most part they've kind of that they're they are what they are, right? But that's the thing you look at the leaps that uh, Kako took and you know Health uh, Kravtsov took to be able to make the league and how much better he is, and they're going to get better. And Heedle gets better every year. And it's just, and Lafreniere is going to be better. He might have that extra step that Kako had. And you can imagine how comfortable he was looking at the end of the year, how much more dangerous he is now. And all of a sudden, it's just a glut, it's a wealth, you know? So, uh, yeah. So I think, like I said, it's like this is a team that's on the upswing. But uh, that being said, you still have to be smart. The cap is going to, because for all the good feelings about that, you know, we're looking at the Truba contract, we're looking at Kreider's contract, and you're just like, uh, and the, the cap's going to be flat. And you look at the age of a Panarin, and Mika's manager wanting a next contract, and a, and a superstar wanting to come here, but he's a lot of money, and he's about to have experimental neck surgery. And it's, yeah, it's a minefield, dude. Like, so, and, you know, you can just, you can be like, a, there are teams that have handcuffed themselves, and, you know, there are teams that on paper that look like playoff teams like Philly that just, you know, are up and down, you know, so it's, it's tough. It's a slippery slope. Parity in the league is, is tremendous right now. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, obviously I'm, I'm positive about the future, but yeah, I think obvi- the coaching, like, like you said, is the, is the big thing. That's what I'm most interested about. Cause I think that more than anything will have the, the biggest effect, you know, because they were almost handcuffing themselves. I think a little bit with a guy who was probably not, ready to be an NHL head coach and but at the same time it's like now they have a chance and just to have a you know especially if if the players feel like it's a breath of fresh air they have a guy who comes in who's like I'm not going to micromanage you but like I just need you to do these big picture things and that's it I'm not going to say like don't pass on a two-on-one and like I didn't see you doing this or that but like we have a system here and a structure and you're going to you're going to you're going to play within it you know and that's just huge so We'll see what happens on that front. Uh, like I said, I suspect, you know, do, uh, I think uh, as we record this, uh, Canada's playing for gold in the World Championships today. So whenever, if he, Gallant can win, yet another feather in his hat, cat, especially with that roster, which wasn't exactly a powerhouse. So, yeah, I think that helps him. And then he'll most likely have another interview. So we'll see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, we look forward to speaking to everyone here on the podcast next time you know the playoffs continue to roll on uh the cream seems to be rising to the top you know the, the hockey's been real good uh and yeah hopefully uh hopefully there's no more catastrophic injuries or but you know in this league there always is so i'm sure we'll have something to talk about but yeah we'll see you all uh next time later thank you for listening to the broadway boys podcast Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.